Hey loves, welcome back to the self-care keto podcast. I am your self-care keto coach, Jess, and I help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. So today I want to talk to you guys about how I eat keto when I'm sick. Sometimes I'm in the mood to talk about really deep mindset stuff, like the past several episodes, more about like really learning how to shift from fear into love. Um, And sometimes I'm in the mood to just talk about something really practical, really like tangible, really pragmatic. And today is one of those days um, because my daughter had strep throat last week and it feels like she has had just like one ongoing cold since like the middle of January. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure that sickness has made multiple visits to your household during this winter season. And it's really just kind of a good um, thing to be aware of and to kind of have a proactive plan for how to take good care of yourself when you're sick. Because when you are sick, kind of your executive functioning brain, you know, like the adult in the room kind of goes offline and you kind of revert back to just like toddler brain of like, ugh, I don't feel good. I want what I want when I want it. And I don't give an F about anything, (laughs) you know? And um, so I think not necessarily that we resort to just acting childish, but we just kind of resort to what's most familiar to us, not necessarily the thing that is actually um, the most <laughs> intelligent response. Again, because our, our we're just impaired when we're sick, right? And so we go back to what's most familiar, oftentimes what's most nostalgic, the ways that we kind of took care of ourselves when we were kids or we were taken care of when we were kids. And so um, it's really good to kind of listen to an episode like this when you're not sick. Uh, so I I hope you're not sick right now, Um, but it's really good to just kind of mentally prepare and make note of that and like maybe pick up some of these products that I'm going to suggest to you all today. Um, But this is like a really common thing that I see with my clients when they get sick, it just completely uh, goes into deviation city of like all everything is out the window. Like whatever food boundaries that I was following before or whatever strategies that I was following before, it's like, well, I can't do those things now because I'm sick. And I think that it's probably rooted in, yes, like everything that I've said so far about kind of just not feeling like you have it in you to even try. (laughs) And if you're still in that phase where it feels like you really, really have to try, um, you're like in the new phase of um, starting to eat low carb or starting to... um, eat in a way that gets you into ketosis and you feel like you still have to be super intentional and really try, then um, when you get sick, it feels like just this big obstacle and it feels like this big reason to just stop trying, right? And I also think that sometimes it's rooted in really not having um, proper information or accurate information about what really best serves you when you are sick. I think sometimes we stop eating the way that we would normally eat when we're sick and we kind of revert back to, you know, like eating high carb, let's just say, like you want the crackers, you want the toast, you want the noodle soup, like whatever, orange juice. And yes, your brain suggests all those things to you because they're familiar and you think they have been what has worked for you in the past and it feels too hard to try to do something different than any of those things. For some reason, that feels easier when maybe it's not necessarily truly easier. There are just as fast options available to you, but it feels easier in your mind. And then also, I think that there's this part of us that believes somehow that this was actually taking better care of ourselves to just, quote unquote, give yourself a break. And I totally get how it would feel that way. But also, it's not necessarily accurate or true. You're not taking better care of yourself when you quote unquote, give yourself a break from eating in this new way that you've been trying to eat. If you really truly believe that this is the healthiest, most caring way that you can take care of yourself is to eat a low carb, high protein, whole foods, like real foods approach, how could that not be good for you when you're sick, right? But a lot of times when we um, find ourselves kind of going off of this when we do get sick, that can be like a really interesting kind of um, mirror or example to yourself of like, wow, how much do I truly believe in this, Um, that it really is the healthiest way to eat and that's why I'm doing it? Or am I doing it because I don't actually, I'm not fully convinced that it is the healthiest way to eat, but I am convinced that it will help me lose weight and how these things are actually disconnected in our brains. But really, they're the same thing. When you eat in the healthiest way that you can possibly eat, 
weight loss will be the natural byproduct of eating in that way, right? But a lot of us are still approaching this way of eating, keto, low carb, clean eating, whatever we want to call it. And we're approaching it as being um, solely connected to weight loss, almost transactional, for your body. Like, okay, body, I will, you know, press A and you give me B, right? Instead of it being like a loving partnership with your body. <laughs> uh, like I've been talking with some clients about this concept and, you know, you um, don't feed your kids to get them to grow and, uh, you know, for their body to change and to grow and to get taller and to get stronger. And, you know, as we as we fully expect that our children's bodies will do. We're not giving them food for that reason. We're not saying, okay, I'm going to feed you now. I want to see you grow tonight, you know, and then the next day, like, hmm, did you grow? You know, <laughs> we're like, we're not actually connecting these things together. We're feeding our kids because we love them, right? And we trust that the natural byproduct is that we are co-creating together with nature, right? Like nature, their DNA, the programming inside of them is going to take care of the rest. We're going to feed them because we love them. And then nature will make sure that it, it takes its course, right? And, you know, same thing with like, maybe like a gardening analogy, right? Like, you are going to try to grow carrots, right? So you plant some carrots and then you make sure that it's getting the proper sun and the soil and the water and all of the things. And then you trust that nature will run its course. And a lot of times we just become so um, transactional with our bodies along the lines of like, okay, I am following this strategy with for the explicit reason of weight loss. And then if we're not seeing the weight loss happen in as fast of a timeline as we actually want to see it, we just get angry and we feel resentful. And then we think it's not even worth it. It's, you know, like I must be a defective carrot <laughs> or I must be a defective gardener. I don't have what it takes to consistently, you know, provide the environment that's necessary for this carrot to grow because there's something wrong with me and I can't possibly grow out of it because I have a fixed mindset instead of a growth mindset. <sighs> All that to say, if you are eating keto, right? I hope that it's because you're fully convinced that it really is the healthiest way for you to eat. And it really is actually taking great care of your body through what you eat. And if it's not keto for what, whatever way that you're eating, I hope it is because you're convinced of that it, it is taking care of your health and that weight loss will be a natural byproduct when you are taking optimal care of yourself, right? And so again, you know, kind of circling back to the point that I was trying to make, it's really, really clear sometimes when I'm working with a client and they get sick and then all food boundaries go out the window that sometimes, you know, one of the biggest reasons is because they're actually not truly convinced. They're just doing this just to lose weight. And then they're like, that, that good part of them suggests, you know what? You're sick. Let the weight loss go for a damn second. And, and you're like, yes. <laughs> And that's good. That's a very good in, uh, intelligent resistance inside of you that like, okay, weight loss is not the most important thing in this moment. Taking care of yourself is the most important thing in this moment. But guess what? What I'm saying is following these strategies actually take care of both, right? Now, when you're sick, your body is not going to lose weight, okay? Most likely. Uh, I mean, of course, there's like the case of throwing up and nausea and all of that, right? And that <laughs> that does lead, that's like the silver lining, right? Oh, it always reminds me of the movie, um, The Devil Wears Prada. And Emily Blunt's character is like, I am just one stomach bug away from my goal weight. <laughs> well, aside from that, your body is not in a place to naturally release weight when you are sick. And in fact, you know, there's something that is called the the four S's, what I call the four S's. Sometimes I've, I've heard other people call it the three S's. Um, and that refers to sleep, stress, and sex hormones. And how these three S's can really impact your journey with weight loss. And I like to add the fourth, which is sickness, because that is definitely something that will impede your weight loss. And your body is very intelligent. Your body is never fighting you. Your body is always serving you. And so a lot of times, if, the, if you are just like going about your week and following all your normal strategies that normally result in weight loss and you're not seeing the scale go down, one question to ask yourself is, well, actually ask yourself those, those four S's, like where am I in my, in my um, sexual 
reproductive cycle? What day of the month is it for my menstrual cycle? If you are menstruate, if you are a menstruating female, um, or what about, what about stress? <laughs> what about sleep? Right. And then what about sickness? Maybe your body is fighting something off and you don't realize it. Like, is your child sick? Is somebody in your household sick? Like is somebody at work sick? Like your body actually might be like low level. Your immune system is activated, even if you're not noticing the symptoms. And that could be a reason why your body's just not releasing weight right now. And the primary reason for this is inflammation, right? Your body is getting inflamed as a natural response, a natural immune response to fighting off um, an invader in your body. And so inflammation is a natural response. Inflammation is also a natural response to you not getting enough sleep and your cortisol your, or your stress hormones go up. And the same thing with stress. Like again, it's related to cortisol, your stress hormone and inflammation is a natural byproduct of that. And when there's inflammation, there's water retention. And when there's water retention, you are not seeing <laughs> the scale go down, right? And then as far as um, sex hormones go, yes, of course you can carry some bloat from those things. And depending upon you know what time of the month it is, it's actually very normal for you to to gain like, I gain like one to two pounds every time I'm ovulating and usually three pounds every time I am menstruating. And then it comes right back down because it's just normal weight fluctuations. So it doesn't mean that those things are going to prevent you from losing weight, but it will appear on the scale that day in real time that you're not losing weight. Uh, it will all even out if you just keep calm and <laughs> carry on, right? Um, but these four S's, I, I actually would like to do an, a podcast episode about each of these things. And today I'm talking about sickness and how I take great care of myself even when I'm sick by still following a low-carb keto approach. And the things that I'm going to be talking about today, um, I want to just underline it by saying, once again, I, I feel like I've said it a million times and I will say it a million times more, keto is not a yes or no foods list. It is a metabolic state. And yes, it's true that most people need to eat a lower amount of carbs, right? To get into a state of ketosis, but it varies by individual, right? Some people can eat a hundred carbs of protein, a hundred grams of carbs, and be in ketosis. Some people might need to take it down to 50. Some people might need to take it down to 40, 30, 20, 10, it really kind of depends on your level of insulin resistance, your individual body. And also it is not a lifelong sentence just because if you find like, oh my God, I'm eating 50, um, carbs per day and I'm not in ketosis. This sucks. Now I have to take it down to like 40 or 30 or 20 or whatever. And then you do get into ketosis with 20, you know, the fearful part of you is going to speak up and be like, this is not sustainable, Right. Once again, very good point. Thank you, part of me that is suggesting this to me. <laughs> and also remember, this is not a lifelong sentence. There's a thing called therapeutic carbohydrate restriction. Now, I don't love that word restriction, but it's not my word. It's a science word. Carbo carbohydrate, oh, therapeutic carbohydrate restriction, TCR. And this is like a clinical term now, right? And so remember, it's almost like a treatment plan right? So if you go to the doctor and you're sick and they give you a course of antibiotics, that's not a lifelong sentence. It's take these antibiotics for 10 days or, and, and if you don't feel better, come back and we'll give you another course of it. It's a treatment. It's a temporary course of treatment. And you can look at this therapeutic carbohydrate restriction as the same thing. So when I first started eating keto, back in 2013, I made it a point and I don't know if this is what I needed or what I didn't need because I didn't know what I didn't know at the time, right? But I was just like looking up the quote unquote rules of Atkins, right? And so at the time, that's what I was doing. And the first phase of Atkins was called induction and it gets you into a state of ketosis. And, you know, Dr. Atkins said, make sure you're eating 20 net carbs per day. And so that is what I did and it worked. And so I stayed that way for years, years and years and years. Um, maybe once in a while I would go up to 30 or 40 if it was like I was on vacation or whatever, but man, I did not eat fruit except for berries for probably five years. And the only time that I adjusted out of that was when I was pregnant and I started just craving like way more fruits and vegetables and salads and yada, yada. And I was still testing for ketosis and I was amazed that I was still in ketosis when I was eating things like pineapple and melons and basically all the fruit that I wanted. And then I thought, oh, for sure, that was just because I was pregnant. And <laughs> then when I was no longer pregnant in postpartum, I started cutting all that stuff back as a means of trying to lose weight. And essentially, you know, I never actually got back to where I was 
um, before I was pregnant, I was still about maybe 15 pounds more. Um, and this was about two years postpartum. And I was like, why is this not working? Why is this not working? So interesting. And that's when I found actually a high protein, um, more moderate fat approach to keto. And that's what I tried. And that's what actually caused me to lose those remaining 15 pounds plus another five pounds. So I am today at my lowest weight that I ever was um, and about five pounds less than I was before I got pregnant, which is pretty fantastic, right? But different things work at different times in your life. I am not against traditional keto of um, you know, reducing down to 20 grams of carbohydrates per day. But when I discovered high protein keto and more moderate fat, this allowed me to eat a little bit more carbs because I was scaling back the fat and carbs and fat are both energy sources. So you want to make sure that you get adequate protein, but then you can kind of choose which energy source you're going to, um, how how you're going to break that down, right? So you don't want to exceed the amount of energy that your body needs. Otherwise you will gain weight, even if you're in ketosis, but if I'm going to scale back on the fat, then I had a little bit more wiggle room for eating some whole food carbohydrates, like bringing back in some more fruits. And sure enough, when I reintroduced uh, fruits and maybe even higher glycemic vegetables that I was previously um, avoiding, like carrots and peas, for example, um, still I was testing for ketosis and I was blown away that I am still in a state of ketosis <laughs> eating these foods. So you're going to hear me maybe reference some foods today and you're going to be like, that's not keto. Uh, uh, maybe if you have that that type of conditioning, right? But all that to say, keto is not a yes or no foods list. It's a metabolic state and it's okay you know, to experiment and see what actually works for you. Just because you read some list online that says avoid these foods because they're not keto, like it, you don't know that to actually be true for yourself. And there could be some really enjoyable um, and uh, valuable foods that you could be partaking in that you just think that you can't because it would hold back your weight loss and it might not actually be true. So here's your permission slip to experiment a little bit. And I highly recommend um, biofeedback tools, like actually taking your blood sugar um, and actually testing for ketosis. So you can get a blood sugar meter, maybe even for free from your doctor if you have high blood sugar, um, or you could walk into any pharmacy and get a blood sugar meter and start testing your blood sugar response after these foods. I'll have to do a whole nother episode on blood sugar. Um, And then you can also test for ketosis. So there's urine strips, there's blood strips, and there's breath meters. And the breath meter is what I recommend the most. Um, I got mine on Amazon for like around $100. And that's when I say that I've been testing for ketosis, that's what I'm using. So, okay, let's get into it a little bit more. Um, This whole idea of like, maybe you should give yourself a break when you're sick because weight loss is not the most important thing. Okay, cool, right? And I agree with that. But taking care of yourself is still the most important thing when you are sick, if not even more so important when you're sick. So a lot of times we just don't know what we don't know. We just think keto is good for weight loss, right? But actually keto is good for improving so much more than that. (laughs) The reason why you lose weight is because your body is actually feeling um, finally for the first time getting proper nutrition and feeling safe enough to be able to release weight from your body. Keto also reduces inflammation, which helps so much with weight loss, and it actually improves your immune function. And, you know, this this COVID business that's been around for the last, oh my gosh, three years now? Yeah, three years this month. Um, So they've actually shown that what happens with COVID is it activates this inflammasome called NLRP3. And ketones actually inhibit that particular inflammasome, therefore decreasing the severity of COVID. So they actually have run, you know, clinical tests and proven this, right? It's so fascinating. So I just wanted to share a little bit of that information kind of from the get-go of here, I'm going to tell you how I eat keto when I'm sick, but I kind of wanted to like, I don't know, underpin it a little bit with some of that mindset stuff and some of the actual concrete science. So without further ado, (laughs) what do I eat when I'm sick? And I'm still, you know, taking great care of myself through a state of ketosis. So the first, I kind of like group in my sicknesses to like usually either like a nausea type of sickness or like a sinus type of sickness. And I know obviously there are other types of sicknesses, but I feel like these are the two big ones. Like you feel like you've either got a stomach bug or you've got some type of a head cold or, you know, something that has to do with like, maybe like it's either like congestion in your head, in your chest, whatever it might be. So let's talk about nausea first. So usually when you feel nauseated, 
you want crackers and toast <laughs> because that's what you have associated um, in your brain, you know, like, oh, when I'm not, when I feel nauseated, yeah, like these are the foods that I should eat, right? And, you know, of course, you've even heard of um, the brat diet, banana, rice, applesauce, toast, like these are the things to eat when you feel nauseated, right? Um, and I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying like, here are some alternatives, right? If you actually want to continue to go on with the strategies that you're going on with. I'm not sitting here trying to be judgy and saying you have to, or you're not serious, or you're not actually taking care of yourself if you're not doing these things. No, I'm not actually saying that. I'm just saying if you really are convinced that this is the healthiest way to be, and it's something that you want to do when you're sick, it's totally doable. It's totally achievable. It's just that sometimes we don't think these things through ahead of time. And so again, we just kind of revert back and do what seems easiest or most familiar. So, um, yeah, the reason why you want these foods when you feel nauseated is actually related to your blood sugar response. And this is the same thing as when you experience nausea in pregnancy. So <clears throat> I definitely experienced nausea in the, my first several weeks of pregnancy. Now this was six years ago, um, but I was eating keto before getting pregnant. I started keto in um, 2013 and I guess I got pregnant in January of 2016. So I did experience nausea and I had already determined, I'm like, I'm going to eat keto through this whole pregnancy, right? So nausea or not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not eating saltines and whatever. And so what I actually learned from my midwife was that the reason why you feel nauseated is because the hormones that are fluctuating during pregnancy cause your blood sugar to dip super low. And when your blood sugar dips super low, your body prompts you with okay, let's eat carbs to bring that back up, right? And it feels like you don't want to eat um, fat and protein, right? Like that actually sounds disgusting to you <laughs> when you're nauseated. Like you don't want to like eat a big steak <laughs> when you're nauseated, right? So I totally understand that. Your body is saying, give me carbs now because that is the um, easiest way to make my blood sugar rise, and right now I'm having low blood sugar. Now you don't know any of this consciously, but your body is very intelligent. And so it's prompting you like to eat like crackers and toast. And yes, of course you have that childhood conditioning as well. Um, but you know, these carb cravings, it's because your body wants a, wants quick energy. And especially when you're sick, your body all the more reason is going to prioritize quick energy because it is true that your body does have to put in a little bit more um, energy expenditure to break down protein and to um, break down fat for fuel as opposed to carbs. Like it is the easiest, most accessible, least amount of energy expended to digest carbohydrates. And that's absolutely true. Um, now, the thing is, if you eat that, the crackers and the toast and just high carbs with nothing else, what's going to happen? is your blood sugar is going to spike. And then once again, it's going to return to a, a low level and feeling the nausea again, right? And so that's what happens in pregnancy is just like, yep, you eat all the crackers and then the nausea goes away for a little bit and then it comes back, right? So the way to actually resolve the nausea is to balance your blood sugar, not just to get it up out of that low level, spike it, and then for it to come back down. And the best way to balance your blood sugar and to eliminate the nausea is actually to have a good combination of protein, um, some carbs and some fat, right? And so that's going to actually balance your blood sugar. So yes, your body wants crackers and your body wants toast. Your body is craving salt also when you are sick. And we'll get into that a little bit more when I talk about electrolytes. But when you simply can't even imagine making protein for yourself, right? Because you're nauseated. I totally understand. All you want is crackers. All you want is toast. I've got some suggestions for you. And these are things that actually I have used and got me through. So dry roasted edamame. So edamame is a high protein vegetable. It's, I, I believe it's a legume actually. Um, <clears throat> and you can get it, of course, like in its raw form, you can get it frozen, but now they actually dry roast it and it comes in a bag and it's salty and it's crunchy and it's delicious. And the kind that I buy is called Seapoint Farms. It's this red bag. They make them in single serve packs as well. And I've seen them at most grocery stores. Um, I live in Virginia Beach. So we have like Food Lion and we have Kroger and you can get those there, Walmart, Target. Um, but I love Amazon and I like to buy mine <laughs> in bulk on Amazon. So you can check that out. Again, it's Seapoint Farms. 
uh, dry roasted edamame. So that's a lifesaver for when you want something salty, crunchy, if you're sick or not. Like when you are going to the movie theater and you're trying not to eat the popcorn, like bring some of this with you. It's awesome. And it's not just... um, you know, salty and crunchy, but it actually has good plant protein in it. So that's going to help you. And if you want crackers, there are a lot of keto crackers on the market. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and just list off different brands that I haven't really tried and can't really speak to. Um, but I will tell you that a brand that I really love, that's not necessarily keto per se, but it is very clean ingredients and it's called simple mills and they make crackers. And again, remember, um, you know, keto is not a yes or no foods list. So you might check out the carb content on there, but if you pair it with protein, um, then you can totally make it work for you and not kick you out of ketosis. Or you could just be like, it's okay. I'm sick. Um, but I'm not gonna like eat garbage when I'm sick. Um, and sometimes even these keto crackers can be total garbage because they have inflammatory ingredients in them. So if you're, if you're sick, your body is already highly inflamed. And the last thing you want to do is add more inflammation to the mix. If you're actually trying to help yourself feel better. So I really like these simple meals crackers. And then they also have muffin mixes and cookie mixes and pizza dough mixes and all sorts of stuff. Um, but sometimes also, you know, I, I'm always making simple meals, uh, muffins and putting them in the freezer. I put one in my daughter's lunchbox pretty much every day or um, a chocolate chip cookie baking mix that they have. And I'll, I'll, what I do is I add extra protein powder to these. I use um, vital, uh, vital proteins, unflavored collagen powder. And I put about like four scoops into the box mix, whether it's the muffin mix or the pizza dough or the cookies or whatever. I put about four scoops of unflavored collagen powder. And what that does is it basically adds more protein. You don't even notice it. And it buffers the blood sugar response of the extra carbs that that are in these foods, even though they're they're clean ingredients, they're coming from things like cassava flour or almond flour or whatever. Um, but it's going to help to buffer that blood sugar response. So Again, you know, when I'm sick, I always have those in my freezer. So if I don't feel like eating meat and cheese, which I definitely don't when I feel nauseated, um, I will, you know, just kind of defrost a few of those muffins and reach for something like that as well. So when you want toast, of course, once again, there are tons of keto breads on the market. Um, but again, a lot of times they have these inflammatory ingredients. And, you know, if it's still, I think it's still better to have that um, than to have just regular bread. Um So definitely, in my mind, it's the lesser of two evils. So go for the keto toast when you want toast, right? Um, A company that I really like and that I recommend with my clients all the time is called Unbun, U-N-B-U-N. And they make all sorts of bread substitutes. They make bagels, they make buns, they make toast, they make, I think they make tortillas as well. But if you don't have any of that, um, you can also just in a pinch make a very clean uh, you know, English muffin in a mug type of situation, just Google keto mug bread. And I like the website dietdoctor.com and they have a recipe on there. And literally it's just as fast as making like a keto mug cake. I don't know if you've ever made those before, but it's just keto mug bread. And then you make it in a coffee mug. And I mean, essentially it's like crack an egg into the bottom. Um, I think it's probably two to three tablespoons of almond flour and a pinch of baking soda. And mix that up. You might need to add a tiny bit of like unsweetened almond milk or something like that just to be able to make it thick. Like you want it to be like almost like a like a brownie batter type of consistency. And then you pop it in the microwave for one minute. <laughs> it will puff up and then it'll sink back down. That's just the the uh, baking baking powder making it rise. And then you turn it out onto a plate and you slice it in half. And then you can put that in your toaster oven or your air fryer or whatever and get it all crispy. And it's just like an English muffin. And so put some butter on that, put some uh, sugar-free jam on that or whatever. And you know, there's your toast substitute as well. So another thing when I'm nauseated and I don't want to eat meat or cheese (laughs) is I will do avocado and that I totally relied on during nausea in my pregnancy. And I would literally just cut an avocado in half, take out the pit and just eat it with a spoon. And did I feel like eating that? Absolutely not. Like, did it sound appetizing? No, but I would just, I was able to eat it. It didn't make me want to like throw up or anything. So I was able to eat it. And then like within 20 minutes, I was feeling so much better. So avocado is another great food that kind of just has like that perfect combination. Um, nuts is, I would, I would go to, um, now I like the dry roasted edamame more than nuts because they're fewer calories, um, less fat. There is still some healthy fat in it, but, and, and then there's protein and nuts basically don't have nearly as much protein as the edamame, but nuts are still a good, a good resource when you're sick and you want like that salty and you just can't tolerate meat and cheese. 
Also scrambled eggs. It depends on how nauseated I am, but oftentimes once I'm feeling a little bit better, I'm like, okay, I cannot, definitely couldn't do a steak right now <laughs> or chicken breast or whatever, but I could go for some scrambled eggs. So just remember scrambled eggs, you can make those in three minutes. I know it seems like, oh, I have to pull out a pan and I have to cook literally three minutes. You could be done with your scrambled eggs, or you can even make them in the microwave now. So soup, chicken noodle soup seems to be a big one that people turn to when they are sick, right? And you're like, I just need noodle soup, right? Um, so Broth is so good for you when you are sick. And again, your body is probably craving the electrolytes from the bone broth or from the the chicken broth or whatever the the broth is that you're using. And that's so good for you when you're sick. So by all means, sip just broth. Or you can still make soup with no noodles. What a a concept. (laughs) Sometimes we just literally forget that, right? That you can still make a soup that has like chicken and carrots and onions and celery. And again, I know some of you are like, oh, onions are too high carb or uh, carrots are too high carb. Okay. Just, just relax for a second. And remember what I said about it's not a yes or no foods list. And you likely will still be producing ketones because it's not like you're going to be like gorging on chicken soup. You are nauseated, my friend, and you're just trying to get some kind of sustenance into your body. You're going to be just fine having some trace amounts of onions and carrots and even some peas. I sometimes I'll make a vegetable soup and I will just put, you know, chicken broth, some, some chicken, carrots, onions some frozen green beans, some frozen peas, and it's good. It's even good sometimes for your body to get like these healthy whole food carbohydrates when you're sick. Again, you're not turning to flour. You're not turning to sugar. This is real whole foods that have lots of vitamins and lots of minerals. Now, if you really want noodles, you can, of course, use noodle substitutes. And these are great noodle substitutes for, you know, when you're not sick, right? Like for making soups or for making pastas or pasta pasta substitutes rather. So I'm going to list off some of the noodle substitutes that I um, have used myself and I do like them and I use them for different reasons at different times. Um, For a chicken noodle soup type of noodle, I think probably shirataki noodles would be the best. So if you've never tried those, just look those up. Sometimes they're also called miracle noodles and, um, or like zero carb noodles. And they really are like hundred percent fiber and they come in like this, um, uh, they're like suspended in this liquid in a bag. And when you open that up, it's going to be kind of stinky. <laughs> and so what you want to do is you want to rinse those really, 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 really well, um, in like a colander under some hot water. And I do that for a little while before I would put those into the, the soup. Um, if I'm going to make them as a pasta substitute and I kind of want it to taste like al dente, um, I will also pan fry them. Like once I rinse them off really, really well, I don't put any like butter or anything in the pan. I just, um, pan fry them to get all of the water off and to dry them out a little bit. And then they'll kind of turn into more of like an al dente texture if I want to put them in, um, like a, as a pasta substitute. So some other noodle substitutes that I really like are, of course, zucchini noodles or zoodles. And you can buy those now in like the frozen food section, or you can buy them already spiralized in um, like the fresh food section of your grocery store, or you can spiralize them yourself if you have a spiralizer, or you can julienne them. And that's usually what I do is I have one of those little julienne tools and I will just grab a zucchini and just like scrape down the sides instead of, I don't, I don't have a spiralizer. I think I had one once upon a time, but I, I try to be pretty much as minimalist as I can. And I didn't like having to spiralize (laughs) them. And so oftentimes I don't like my noodles that long anyway. And I just wind up cutting them and I'm like, okay, if I'm cutting them to the size of what I would be julienning them, I might as well julienne them. So I just use a julienne tool for zoodles and scrape it down. And and that's how I make my zoodles. Um, And it's also way cheaper to do it that way yourself from fresh zucchini, but it takes a little bit more effort. Um, And when you're sick, you don't really feel like doing any effort. So maybe have some frozen bags of zoodles in your freezer. Another one that I like are called um, Palmini noodles. And this is made from hearts of palm. And so that's the brand name is Palmini, P-A-L-M-I-N-I. And they make all sorts of different um, substitutes, uh, like textures. So like the angel hair or like a spaghetti substitute. And also when you're not sick, Palmini makes lasagna sheets and (laughs) it is delicious and so easy to just substitute that right in. And yeah, you're not going to feel like eating lasagna when you are nauseous (laughs) or nauseated actually is the correct word, (laughs) but, um, give that a try sometime because palmini noodles are awesome. 
And then um, the last thing that I want to mention for noodle substitutes is like, this is actual real pasta and it's called red lentil pasta. And I buy the kind that is um, Barilla brand or Berea, however you want to pronounce it, but it's literally sold in the pasta aisle. And I like the rotini kind, um, but I keep this in my house all the time. I will probably make this as a pasta, like with some, when I'm not sick, of course, um, and I'll do some like mild Italian sausage with some like very low sugar, rau sensitive marinara sauce. And this is like a repeating meal in my house at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. Um, I usually have it around my period. <laughs> um, but the pasta itself, like literally you just boil it just like regular pasta and I boil it a little bit longer than I would normal pasta because um, to get it the texture of regular pasta, you do have to boil it just a little bit longer um, to make it soft enough, but it is awesome. And you're going to look at the carb count and you're going to be like, that's not keto or that's too high carb. Um, It's low glycemic though. And so uh, basically it means it doesn't spike your blood sugar as much as regular pasta. And so something called the glycemic index um, is how much something spikes your blood sugar, how quickly. And a lot of times this does directly correlate with the carb count for like fruits and things like that. But actually you might be surprised at like, you know, like if you look at blueberries, they have a lot of car- um, a lot of carbs in them, but they're very low glycemic. So they don't spike your blood sugar very much. So like an apple is higher in the glycemic index. So you could have like a 15 carb apple versus 15 carbs of blueberries and it won't spike your blood sugar as much from the 15 carbs of blueberries because they are lower on the glycemic index. So I hope that makes sense. Um, but essentially red lentil pasta is so such a complex um, carbohydrate. Um, it doesn't spike your blood sugar as much as if you were to have, let's just say, um, let's say it works out to be like 20 grams uh, of carbs from the red lentil pasta. If you eat 20 grams of carbs from regular pasta, it will spike your blood sugar way more than those same 20 carbs from the red lentil pasta. I hope that's making sense. And it's not just because you subtract the fiber or whatever. It's, it's just truly lower glycemic. So sometimes I do put that into soups as well. If I'm feeling sick, I'll, I'll put that into like a chicken noodle soup as well. It's also really delicious in making like a pasta fajoule type of thing. Like, again, I don't know if you would eat that when you're sick or not, but maybe if maybe that would sound good to you, maybe it wouldn't. Um, but just the rest of the year, it's a really good comfort food. Okay, and then um, I think the only thing I didn't talk about is smoothies. So smoothies are a great go-to when I feel nauseated as well. Um, and I will um, make sure to use a good protein powder in the smoothie because you want to make sure that you're getting, uh, you are going to get some carbohydrates from the fruit that you're putting in the smoothie and you can balance it out with the protein. And also you need protein every day and especially when you're sick. But I know that a lot of times the protein sources that we would normally get, you you don't feel like eating meat, right? Or even eggs when you feel nauseated. So a good protein powder is great to have. Um, The one that I like to use for my smoothies most of the time is, um, it's called Orgain Keto Collagen Protein Powder. And make sure to get the keto kind because they do have like some non-keto kinds from Orgain, um, but they have a chocolate and a vanilla that is the keto kind. And you can find the Orgain protein powder, again, pretty much everywhere in most grocery stores. It's in Target, it's in Walmart, it's on Amazon. But if you want to go to their website, Orgain.com, you can use my um, 30% off checkout code. Um, So it's the keto fit 30 if you'd like to do that. So I use this in smoothies. And then um, if you haven't listened to my episode, it's a ways back, but it's called um, How to Enjoy Keto Sweets as Self-Care. And I talk about how I make um, protein soft serve ice cream using this and also how I make uh, protein mud cakes using this protein powder. So it's really great to have on hand for dessert substitutes as well. Um, but yep, it's always in my house. So a lot of times that's what I'll go to. Um, but also you can use a whey protein powder or you can use an egg white based protein powder. You can use beef protein isolate. It does not taste like beef. (laughs) It just tastes like neutral. Um, but yeah, so you're going to want to have a good quality, uh, protein powder to put into your smoothies. And so, uh, you know, just remember to start with liquid first. When you're starting with your smoothie, you want to give that blender something to work with. And then so I put my unsweetened almond milk into the bottom. And then if I don't want to have as many berries, which a lot of times I just go to town with the berries when I'm sick because they have a ton of vitamin C in them. Um, but I will put maybe some um, 
like riced cauliflower. Actually, you won't taste it at all. And it's just really good to make it nice and thick and blend up really, really well. So you can put riced cauliflower in there to cut the berries if you're trying to keep it lower carb, or you could just do all berries and then uh, put the protein powder in after that. Sometimes I will even do half a banana. I know, right? But it it makes it that much more delicious. And a lot of times I'm making um, a smoothie, not just for myself, but for everyone in my family and they love the banana as well. And so yeah, do it, don't do it, whatever. It'll still taste good without the banana, but I just, full disclosure, this is what I do when I'm sick. So, and then I will, uh, I don't even, you don't even have to put any ice in because of the frozen fruit. And then you just blend that all up really, really well. So absolutely delicious. That's what I do when I'm nauseated. Now, when I have uh, cold or sinus stuff, I do approach it a little bit differently because most of the time I can actually eat everything that is normal to me because it's not like it doesn't sound good. Um, A lot of times it just, it doesn't sound great because nothing sounds good when you're like all congested, right? Um, You just kind of lose your sense of smell and therefore your sense of enjoyment from food. But most of the time I just make the same exact meals when I have a cold or, you know, sinus situation or chest congestion or just whatever. Um, but I find what we tend to really want uh, for comfort when when we have that, sure, you might still be wanting the toast or the crackers or whatever. We've already addressed good substitutes for that. Um, soup, same thing. Um, but juice, that seems to be like a big one. Whenever you get like sinus stuff, you're like, I'm sick. I need orange juice, right? So um, just a little point to make is that there are so many foods that have way more vitamin C than an orange or orange juice. And so you're spiking your blood sugar um, and it's really not doing you that many favors. And again, you're just going to create this like carb craving cycle. It's just perpetuating the carb cravings to drink juice and it's going to cause inflammation from having so much sugar in your system. So foods that have more vitamin C than an orange, strawberries, yes, way more. So make a, make a strawberry smoothie. Um, peppers, kiwi, Brussels sprouts, kale, broccoli, and cauliflower all have more vitamin C than an orange. <laughs> you can also take a vitamin C supplement. That always works too. Um, but if you are actually craving orange juice, uh, I highly recommend um, drinking orange electrolytes. So the brand that I use is called Element. And I will put my referral link in the show notes. Um, I don't make any money off of it, but if you buy a box, I get a free box. So I would really appreciate you using my link if you decide to actually buy. Um, But their orange salt electrolytes literally taste like orange juice. It does not taste like fake orange, like the tang type of orange taste or like an orange popsicle. No, no, no. It tastes legit like actual orange juice because the saltiness really gives it that like acidity substitute of like what actual orange juice tastes like in your mouth. (laughs) It's really, really delicious. And I drink um, these element electrolytes every single day, but I, I double up on electrolytes when I'm sick because electrolytes really help your immune system to repair. So basically, yeah, if you're craving orange juice, just make sure that you always have those orange electrolytes on hand, even if you don't want to take them every day, because I know that they can be expensive. Um, but keep them in your house, especially for when you get sick. So that'll take care of that orange juice craving for you. And you're taking so much better care of yourself by, by making that choice. So, um, kind of addressing the food substitutes, um, have definitely done that, but maybe some other ways to share how I take care of myself when I'm sick. So definitely extra electrolytes. And then I want to share with you guys um, some kind of supplements and like over-the-counter stuff that I do that really, really helps me when I'm not feeling well. And the one that I have just like been shouting from the rooftops with like all of my friends and all of my family and all of my clients is this supplement called Wellness Formula. And it's got a ton of stuff in it. It's got um, like mainly garlic, zinc, vitamin C, echinacea, um, just all the stuff that is so good for boosting your immune system. And you can take it every day if you want to. I don't. Um, I only take it when I'm actually sick. And I buy mine on Amazon. And then when I'm sick or when I start to feel like a scratchy throat or just anything, or when my daughter gets sick, I start to use it preventatively. And you can read 
read the dosage because they have two different kinds. They have like, I think they have vegetable capsules and then they have ones that are not. And so it's kind of more like a chalky type of pill. Um, You could get either, but follow the directions. But what I do is I actually take the max dose. So the vegetable caplets that are the ones that I get, they're so much easier to swallow in my opinion. Um, But (laughs) the other ones are like horse pills. Like you basically have to cut them in half and they're like all chalky and whatever. So it's still doable, but I don't know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, So I get the the vegetable capsules and the maximum dose is to take six of these pills every four hours, not to exceed 24 caplets per day, right? So I take 24 freaking caplets per day when it's absolutely necessary. Like, especially if I'm like feeling already full-blown sick, I take, I take the full dose and it knocks the shit out of whatever my body is fighting. I swear to you, it's like, it should be called magic formula instead of wellness formula. I absolutely love it. And I have always been prone to sinus infections and like I have allergies, right? So I'm always taking, I take an allergy combination of like three, three different allergy pills every day. And a lot of times I would be getting at least three sinus infections a year, but three to four sinus infections a year for the last I can't even tell you how long, 10 years, um, ever since I moved to Virginia. No, that was almost 12 years ago. Like, the, I don't know what's going on down here in Virginia, but <laughs> my allergies do not like the weather. Everything else about me loves it and I love it here and I will stay. Um, but my allergies did not like it. And so I was getting three to four sinus infections every year. And I got like the full, like they, they sent me to the, the specialist, the ENT. They gave me like a full head scan of my sinuses. Like, nope, everything's fine. Um, just for whatever reason, my allergies would get out of control. It would turn into a cold and then it would quickly turn into a sinus infection. And like, seriously, by the time I would feel the cold symptoms, two days later, full-blown horrible sinus infection. And this has been the repeating pattern until I started taking wellness formula which was not even a year ago. And I've just been like, this is amazing. So I start to take this wellness formula and the maximum dose and it knocks the shit out of it. And it, it, it has happened like at least six or seven times now um, where I started to feel it and then it just like completely took care of it. And I'm like, dude, that is amazing. I just saved myself a trip to the urgent care and I saved my gut a round of antibiotics and it's fantastic. So you got to get this wellness formula and when need be, you know, take it every day if you want to take it, you know, as soon as you start to feel sick. And then if you're really feeling it, take the max dose. It's so good. Okay. Once again, wellness formula. So another thing that I do take um, when I start to feel really congested is Sudafed 24 hour. And like, I don't know why I never really knew about Sudafed 24 hour, but like if you're walking through the pharmacy and like the stuff on the shelves is like, take it every six hours, like go to the actual pharmacist and they sell it from behind the counter. I guess people make crystal meth out of it or something like that, (laughs) but because you have to show your ID to get it. Um, but it is the good stuff and it will legit take care of you like within a couple of days. And so, and I love that I only have to take it once because who wants to take shit every six hours? No. Um, so get yourself some Sudafed 24 hour and that really, really helps. And this is from a person who already is taking decongestants. Like I, uh, like I told you, I take three different allergy things. I take like Flonase, I take Singular and I take Zyzel every day. Um, so if you're not taking anything like that, you know, maybe you don't need to start with Sudafed 24 hour. Um, but if you're already a person who's already taking some type of antihistamine daily, man, that, that Sudafed 24 hour stuff really, really helps. If you're not, maybe you could just take some Claritin and it'll totally help you. But yeah. Another thing um, that I use is saline spray. So like people are always telling me like, do a neti pot, do this, the saline rinse. And I'm like, no, I cannot. I feel like I'm being waterboarded <laughs> every time I try to do that. And like, oh, so, but saline spray I can do because I already do the flone. So I'm used to the nose spray. I got myself used to that years and years and years ago. So, but saline spray is really, really helpful because, you know, if you're taking something that's like prescription, like a flone, the max dose is like two pumps per day. But like a lot of the rest of the time, you just feel like I'm so congested. I want to, I wish I could you know, spray more stuff up my nose. You can, and it's called saline spray. Um, and it really, really just helps to loosen things up there. Um, when you're congested. Another thing that I use are essential oils and, um, I'm not like your essential oil lady. I don't sell them. (laughs) So this is not an ad. And, uh, to be honest, like I, I don't, you know, I I don't, uh, think that essential oils are, you know, going to heal you from every, you know, disease that you have and medications never, nothing like that. But I am always like into holistic and whatever will work because 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of prescription medications when need be, but also they have side effects and antibiotics destroy your gut bacteria. And then in the long run, you are potentially creating more problems for yourself. So um, definitely, if oils can help you, great. Um, one that I use is called On Guard by Deuterra. And um, I use other essential oils than just Deuterra, but this is like some type of immunity blend. And I put it on the bottoms of my feet whenever I feel sick. And I do this with my daughter as well. And it could be um, Dumbo's feather, meaning like it just could be a placebo, um, but it seems to work for me. So I'm just sharing that with you. And I also use peppermint oil and I'll put that on my sinuses and on the back of my neck um, and then on my chest a little bit, kind of to like substitute for like a Vicks Vapor Rub. And then the last thing that really, really helps is sinus massage. And you can just Google this or look it up on YouTube or whatever to see a video of how to do a sinus massage. But essentially, you're just going to place your hands on your forehead, starting right above, right above, right above, right above your eyebrows in the center of your nose. And you're going to push super duper hard and pull each hand outward towards your temples. And you're going to do that several times, pushing really, really hard. And then you're going to start at the bridge of your nose and sweep underneath each eye um, towards your ears and do that several times. And what this is doing is it's just pushing out all the congestion to the tubes that actually allow it to drain down your throat. And so you're pushing from, again, both of these things from your forehead and then underneath your eyes um, from the center of your nose out towards your ears. And then once you've done that, you're going to kind of um, pull from like your temples all the way down in front of your ear, all the way down your jawline where your lymph nodes are and do that several times. And that's going to help to really drain things out. So that has been supremely helpful. And I do this with my daughter and she loves it. Absolutely loves it. And she's six. Um, so you can do this on kids, you know, babies, everybody. So again, look that up on YouTube if you're like a YouTube person. But you know, if, if my audio explained it well enough, it's pretty self-explanatory. You're just pushing all the crap out of your face down so that it can drain down your throat. All right. So that's how I eat keto when I'm sick. And that's how I take great care of myself when I'm sick. And... I hope that this has been helpful and uh, make sure to check the show notes for links on some of these um, items that I've been talking about. And yeah, so I want to tell you guys, um, I don't think I've announced this yet on the podcast, but I have something new. Um, If you've been listening for a while, you know that I do a monthly mindset class once a month and it's on a different mindset topic every single month. And historically I have priced it at $22. And I've decided recently actually to make a change to the pricing and it's going to be completely pay what supports you. So any dollar amount that supports you, I really wanted to create a way for every single one of you to have a massive mindset shift every single month and not let finances be an obstacle to you. So you're still going to go to the same link as always, bit.ly slash self-care keto class. And then um, it's just equitable, accessible, pay what supports you pricing. So you choose the amount that you'd like to pay and you will get access to that class. And this month, um, it is a really fun class. It's called Hire Yourself as the CEO of Your Life. And it's all about tapping into the strengths and the values that you already have and how to make those actually work for you in your weight loss journey. Because isn't it so interesting how we seem to be able to apply these strengths in other areas of our lives, like working or motherhood or being a great friend or being a great leader, whatever. And it feels like, why can't I be successful in weight loss? Well, you can. A lot of times it just takes connecting those dots and letting those natural strengths that you already have work for you. And you're also going to take a values assessment, like what is really important to you in life? And what do you really like in life and how to anchor your weight loss journey into those things so that your self-care actions start to flow effortlessly and naturally out of who you already are. And so if this sounds really interesting to you, I hope that you'll go check out that mindset class and again, pay any any amount that supports you at bit.ly slash self-care keto class. I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I'll be back with you all next week.